know this about me, but I I really don't like it when I don't know how to pronounce a word. Like it it bothers me. Like I I I won't like especially in a group setting in front of people, like I won't like attempt to say a word I'm not sure how to pronounce. Um because I I don't want to look incompetent or dumb. Um and so too late, I know. Um, but so, so preface, you know, that's the preface to this story. Uh, and this story happens, uh, my sophomore year in high school, uh, my sophomore year in high school, my guidance counselor convinced me that it would be a good idea for me to take Spanish, you know, because it's good to have a foreign language under your belt. Um, and so I show up uh, for the first day of Spanish class with my Spanish textbook. And one of the things that I observed in this class is that the teacher didn't speak English at all. Well, she knew how she just refused to. She she wouldn't speak in English in the class. And the problem I had is, is that's that's cool. And I get that immersion is the best way to learn a new language, but I don't speak any Spanish. And so when I came into the class and she didn't speak any English, I immediately went to the guidance counselor's uh, office after that class and dropped it. After the one day of Spanish, I dropped Spanish because I, I, they didn't speak, they didn't speak the language that I spoke in that class. And so I, I, I felt like they, they should have backed up a little bit and said, you know, at least introduced herself in English so that I could understand what was happening, but that's not what she did. She, she just spoke in Spanish and that was cool. So I dropped the class. Um, I don't, I think, I think a lot of us, um, we don't, we don't really like to be stretched. I mean, many of you like to be stretched and put in difficult situations. No, Tony does. Tony likes to put, be put in difficult situations and also put other people in difficult situations. <laughs> um, that's true. <laughs> um, I, I think for most of us, apart from Tony, we don't really like when we're put in situations where we're required to stretch, we're required to, to think a different way or think in a different language or think about things in a different way, or we don't like that. That's difficult. That's really challenging for us. That, that is, is not something we volunteer for regularly. Now, we kicked off this series in the book of Acts called Acts to Journey. Uh, last week, we talked about the, the, the moment where the Holy Spirit showed up and baptized his people, 
and gave them the gift of tongues. And we're going to be kind of unpacking this, this chapter, um, and we're going to kind of continue the conversation that we started last week. Um, we're going to be looking, uh, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 5. Um, and so, you know, God has done something incredible. Like he gave, uh, he sent his spirit and in sending his spirit, he gave the, uh, these disciples, the, it's not 12 disciples. There's approximately 120 people that are in this room. He gave uh, these 120 believers this new language. And in giving him them th- this new language, something miraculous happens. They're, they're speaking this miraculous language, and this language is understood by the people around them. And so, starting in verse 5, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the sound of the muddy rushing wind, the sound of the commotion, thanks for the sound effects. When they, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Like, you have to hear the condescension. Like, this isn't, they're, they're utterly amazed because aren't these dumb Galileans? Like, aren't these the guys from the backwoods? Why, why are they speaking all of these world languages? Why are they speaking all of this? Where did they learn this? They're utterly amazed. Isn't that, isn't that funny that, like, we have this experience, you know, when, when we have these experiences with God, there's always people who are willing to, that are standing on the sidelines criticizing Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? And he said, uh, they go on and say, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. We hear what God is doing in our own tongue. We talked about last week about how how important it is to hear the language that you speak. How how important it is to hear the word of God in a language that you understand and about how God transforms our language so that we have the opportunity to share in in creating space for other people. We have the opportunity to, to bridge the gap, to send the message. So, amazed and perplexed they ask one another what 
does this mean? What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and, and said, they have had too much wine. Uh, I love, like, the, I love that there's, like, there's always these critics when God's doing something. There's always people standing on the sidelines ready to point their finger and explain it away. I think it's interesting. P Peter, um, in his response to this, his rebuttal, which we're going to cover that whole next section next week, but in Peter's response to this, he says, we, guys, we, they can't have had too much wine. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Right? They, 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 can't, they can't be drunk. They, they, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. But, but the question I want to ask us this morning is what, what does this mean? I think for a lot of us, we have limited uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues to a spiritual experience that is for me, for us, for me as an individual. It's something that happens to me. It's a spiritual encounter, a spiritual experience that I have. And while it is that, it is that. If you've, if you've ever had that experience, you know that it is a powerful personal experience that you have with God. But the challenge is, is I, I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of situations, a lot of people who, who claim to be spirit-filled people, people of the spirit who God hasn't transformed the way that they see the world yet. They, they speak in tongues, but they don't speak another language. And I'm not talking about learning Spanish. They don't see the world differently. You see, one of the amazing things about the book of Acts is we start in Jerusalem. We start in the upper room in Jerusalem. We start with almost exclusively Jewish people. And all at every step of the way through the book of Acts, God expands the vision of the kingdom bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you, and you see like even this, like, like Peter is uh, experiencing this, this moment where God fills him with his spirit. And, and there's like all of these people show up. All of these people are in the room and, and Peter doesn't even really fully realize what God is doing because he hasn't had his heart transformed. You, you see later on in the, in the book of Acts, you see the, the spirit uh, revealing this, uh, this idea that, that maybe, maybe this, this gospel, maybe this story of Jesus is for more than just Jewish people. Can I, can, I, can I just say I'm really grateful for that? Because I'm not Jewish. I don't know if you knew that. I'm not Jewish. Um, I'm also not Amish. The beard may disagree with that. Um, but, I, but the thing is, is that the, the, the kingdom of God expands because God expands the vision through the spirit, the spirit 
of God pours out on all people. And in so doing, he expands the vision that they have of the world. They see the world differently because God transforms their language. Because God transforms them from the inside out, God changes the way that they see the world. My challenge for us this morning is let's be people of the Spirit. Let's be people that God deeply transforms, who God fills with his spirit and the outflow of that would be a transformed life, would be a life that would speak in tongues, but also that would see the world differently, that would see the kingdom of God as bigger than me, bigger than us, bigger than this room, would see the world in a different way. You see, one of the things that happens in the Old Testament, there's this story about the Tower of Babel. You familiar with this story? Early on in the book of Genesis, there, there's a group of people who decide that they're going to build a tower. And they're going to build a tower high all the way up to heaven. And God sees that the, the technological advances that they're able to make are going to make them unstoppable. And so, language of the people. Now, ever since that time, ever since that time, we have had cultures and languages that keep us apart. And that's what the, that's the reality is that language creates a separation between people. You see something miraculous happening in the book of Acts. God, God does this miracle in the language of the people and reunifies the people. It's like a turning back of the, the, the time before the Tower of Babel. Now, I think, I think the enemy would love nothing more than to keep us separate. To keep us insulated from the world around us. The enemy would love nothing more than to keep us from seeing each other's hearts from seeing what God is doing in your life and in my life. He would love nothing more than to keep us separate. You know, Jesus, Jesus commands over and over, over and over in the gospels, Jesus commands, love your enemies, right? Love your enemies. Pray for those who use you and abuse you. And I think I think intellectually, we're okay with that idea. The challenge, though, is that we're not even really good at liking people who think differently than us. We're not very good at just being civil to people who are different than we are.
so throughout history, there's been this, this idea, um, this idea of the, the lingua franca. Are you familiar with this idea? It's, it's, a, it's a language that is adopted in specific areas that becomes like the trade language. So right now in the world, one of the most common trade languages is English. English is used like around the world. The, the, they don't use foreign languages over the airwaves to communicate uh, how to direct planes because that would be frightening. They, they, they use English. You know, the UN uh, predominantly uses English. They have translators that translate into English. In Jesus' time, in the first century, the, the trade language of that region was a language called Koine Greek. It's what the entire New Testament is written in. It's written in Koine Greek. Now, this wasn't the heart language of most of the people in the area, but it, but it is one of the things that actually made the spread of the gospel possible because you have this language that's spoken by almost everyone. It's actually the, 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 the word koine means common. It's actually the, the, the root word that we get the word koinonia, Familiar with that? Koinonia is, is the fellowship. It, it's used in Acts chapter 4. It's described, this. Uh, Acts chapter 4 describes koinonia this way. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. That's koinonia. That's the fellowship. I think the interesting thing about that is that it's not just that they shared their stuff. It's that they were one heart and one mind. What does that mean? I, I think, I think that this is what I think, take it for what it's worth. It might, I might be wrong, but I think that what it means to be in one heart and one mind is that our first allegiance, our first commitment is to Jesus and to one another. Our first commitment is to the kingdom of God and the king who rules over that kingdom. And that doesn't mean you can't have other allegiances. That doesn't mean you can't have other systems of belief or other ideas or, or political views or uh, ideologies. That, but that means that we as Christians must first and foremost make our priority Jesus and the kingdom of God. The enemy would love nothing more than to keep us separate. The enemy would love nothing more than to perpetuate the otherness. See, I think what happens is that we, we look at the world. We look at what's happening in the world and, and we, we lump categories. We create, like, we have a common language for the most part in, in America, but we create other 
we create different cultures and we, we add value to whether or not you're a part of this group or that group. But what if we invited the Holy Spirit to transform the way we see? What if we invited the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we actually could make a difference so that we actually could effectively communicate the gospel so that we actually could share the love of Jesus with the people around us. So let, let's talk a little bit about some practical things that we can do. How, how do we, how do we develop a common language? If we're, if we're going to share the gospel in the world and we're going to grow and we're going to have God transform us, how do we develop a common language? I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now. This list is going to make some of you uncomfortable. This list is going to challenge some of you. This list challenges me. Number one, the first way that you can develop a common language is to expose yourself to different points of view. We, we like that. We like to expose ourselves. Now, now here's the thing. We like to assume that this is about somebody else. Like somebody else needs to do this. Somebody else needs to do this. Somebody else, somebody on the other side of the aisle, if you will, needs to do this. This is something that we all need to do. We all need to learn to see the world through someone else's eyes. Step one, listen to other people. I think we're really good at talking. We're really good at talking. We're really good at listening so that we know how to jump on somebody else. I, we, we're really good at listening so that we can disagree. We're not really good at listening so that we hear where people are coming from. Number two, respect. Different isn't bad. God, God makes us all different. I don't know if you know, know this, but Basil and I are different. <laughs> Just barely. We're, we're mostly twins. It's mostly in the beard that we're different. <laughs> Basil's not allowed to grow a mustache. <laughs> but but the, the difference, difference isn't bad. I think what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to ascribe value to, to difference. And that's what creates otherness. How many of you do this? Read books about experiences that are different than your own. That you you want to grow? You want to see the Holy Spirit show up in your life? I promise you, if you read books that are from perspectives that are different than your life experience, God will show up in your life. 
spend time with people that are different than you. Number two, the, the second way we develop a common language is by developing empathy. I think step one to developing empathy is understanding the difference between empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is kind of like, oh, I feel bad for you. Uh, that, that must be really terrible. Empathy is walking in someone else's shoes, is experiencing someone else's pain, is trying to figure out what it's like to live that way. And we're not, we're really good at patting people on the back and showing sympathy. We're not good at empathy. Empathy is messy and it's difficult and it's challenging. The second way to develop empathy is to learn to think about how you would feel in another person's situation. Learn to think about when you see someone else who is in a different situation than yours, learn to think about it in a, in a non-condescending way to think about how it, would, how it would be to live in someone else's experience. Aim to treat, this, this sounds a little bit, this one sounds a little bit like Jesus. Treat others how you would like to be treated. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to explain this to my kids. It's not, it doesn't say treat others how you are being treated. <laughs> it, that's not what the golden rule is. The golden rule is treat others how you would like to be treated, which, which often means treating other people better than you're currently being treated. The last way to find a common language is to find common ground. I think, I think it's really easy for me to look at the differences. It's really easy for me to look at the way that we're different. But what if we instead chose to find the ways that we're the same? Identify people who you find it hard to show empathy to. You know those people. If you don't, let me just give you a tip. Scroll through Facebook, and when your blood pressure spikes, those are the people. Maybe it's not Facebook. I know I, know I leave Walt out every time I talk about Facebook. But, but identify the people who you find it difficult to show empathy to. Learn to ask yourself the honest question. Why, why is it difficult for me to show empathy to this person? Learn to see how you're similar. Learn to see the similarities between you and the people who you have difficulty showing empathy to. What, what would it look like if we allow God to transform us? What would it look like if we allowed God to do 
a miracle and transform the way that we see the world to fill us with his spirit and transform us to change us. What would that look like? I think it would look like heaven. I think it would look like heaven. Revelation chapter 7 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, from every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes, were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God. What would it look like if God transformed us? God changed the way we saw the world. God impacted us. God challenged our thinking. God opened our heart and God expanded his kingdom in our, in our midst. It would look a lot like heaven. You see, I think, I think what we, we think I think when we hear every nation, tribe, and tongue, we think that that means of every nation, tribe, and tongue of people who are like us. That's not what it means. It's not what it means. Every nation, tribe, and tongue includes a lot of people who are going to be very different than you. They think about the world very differently than you but their one allegiance is this salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. What would it look like? I want to invite you. I want to invite you to challenge the way you see the world. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to do that in your life. Because he will. Because he does. Let's pray. Lord, I invite you into this place. We acknowledge your spirit and your presence in our midst. Like the prayer that Tony prayed, the, the song that he sang this morning. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory. We want to see you do amazing works in our hearts and in our lives, among us, and through us, and in us, God. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts. God, I pray that you would help us to see the world around us through your eyes. 
God, I ask this morning that you would challenge us. God, I pray that you would that you would craft us into the sort of people that love. Who don't narrow your scope. Lord, we invite your spirit. We invite you to change us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.